going to start with a cricket analogy. You get to a half century at the crease. What do you do then? Oh, you kick on. Uh, absolutely. You kick concentrate on. concentrate harder. You don't relax. No. And then when you get to the century, you kick on again. Well, we might not get to a century, but what we are going to have to do now no, is, no. having achieved a half century, yes. we've got to make today good. And our special guest today is that special, and we shall join him shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, newspapers, first of all, this made me smile. The Daily Mirror have gone to the um, lengths of conducting a survey about the, um, the, the, the restart. Yes. And, and the divide, Andy, is as clear as it is in this grey lounge of yours. <laughs> you want it, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it's wrong, you think it's right. It's a, it's a virtual 50-50 split on those polled as to whether they think bringing football back is a good idea. Mm-hmm. But the <laughs> they then broke it down to beyond good idea or not into various different sections. Which fans are most opposed to football returning? This will not surprise you. Mid-table teams. No. Manchester City, 80% of their fans surveyed said no. Do you know which team are second on this list? You should. Everton. Everton? <laughs> of course. Because they don't want Liverpool to win the title. Oh, they will win the title regardless <laughs> Yes, starts. but they don't want it back because they think that on that basis Liverpool would not rightfully win the title. Uh, Hull, West Ham, Chelsea are the other three in that list. Which fans are most in favour of football returning? Once again, you can't get this wrong. Aston Villa? Oh, no. Which fans would most want to see football back? Liverpool. Liverpool. There you go. Well, I thought Villa makes it in the bottom three. Leeds. Yeah, Leeds, yeah. West Brom. Funnily enough, West Brom. West Brom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Baggies over there. Yeah. Coventry? Uh, no, no one's mentioned Coventry, unfortunately. No, shame. Um, what, 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 why do you want football back? Another question. Uh, financial safety, it would appear, uh, is the favourite mm-hmm. in that category. Yeah. And this one, finally, here. When should football return? Very interesting. Um, June, 27% said June. It then falls through July, August and early September to 14 13 and 19%. 26% would prefer... A mid-September return. Sorry, do you mean return to start this season again? To return to playing football. I rather suspect they mean... New season. this one... New season. To, to, to one side and start a new season. Me yes. too. I'm, I'm, how many September? Mid-September, yeah. Me, I'm mid-September. Yeah. I'll start mid-September. With a new season. With a new season. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, well done, Ralph. Hassan Hoodle. Yes. New four-year deal at Southampton. Congratulations, Ralph. Uh, Matty Longstaff looks as though he's off to Italy. Uh, Newcastle United don't believe he's worth £30,000 a week. Um, <laughs> let me tell you about Udinese, it appears his destination. Let me tell you, they're wrong. He's getting £800 a week, I read. Yes. Matty Longstaff, yes. who's had a terrific season so far. I, I Young, agree up and coming, good player, really good player. Listen, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but £30,000 a week is not such a massive wage in the Premier League. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've just said that. Didn't Jack Grealish? I thrive off fans' hatred. This is a piece with Henry Winter right. in the Times today, mm-hmm. uh, talking about playing in empty mm-hmm. stadiums. He says, I thrive off it. I need yeah, yeah. fans. Uh, others will love playing in empty grounds. Get that. You always find one or two in a lineup of 11 that would prefer an empty stadium. Absolutely. Listen, I used to call them Monday to Friday footballers. I saw a lot of great yeah. players Monday to Friday training. And for some reason, on a Saturday when it really mattered, they hardly ever showed up. Jan Vertonghen will not re-sign a new contract, will not signed for an extra month to stay at Tottenham. If I was him, I wouldn't either. You know my feeling on yeah, that? Yeah, well, I'm not surprised it's Jan Vertonghen, trust me. 
because he's of good sense and sound no. mind, no. not putting himself no. in a situation no. where his whole career could be threatened for an extra month at Tottenham, Sorry, who career. don't want to pay Sorry, him the money to keep him. How, yes, how old is he? He could, he could pick up an Achilles tendon injury. How he's out for, for 18 months. Who's paying him? He's 32. How old is he? He's clear. He's had 10 years at Tottenham. They've looked after him royally. And now he's just going to say, see you, boys. He too has given of himself. To their cause, oh, royally. And he's been rewarded Sorry, royally. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, that I, boy I, will never have to no, worry about another penny in his life. Burnley are also uh, in trouble at the moment because they've got a number that are out of contract. Sorry. And they haven't offered contracts no. to them. Now, Sean's not happy, Sean Dice. And 35 million a week. Uh, that's what top flight clubs must refund TV firms if there are any further restart delays. Do you know what? Two things we've learned about mm-hmm. during this COVID-19, in my view, uh, stoppage. And that is that... Football needs television, mm-hmm. and television needs football mm-hmm. every bit as much. Mm-hmm. Why is television trying to screw football into the ground over the money that they currently owe under the terms of the current deal that they have signed? Why? Why is football trying to do it? It's a partnership. I have no idea. It should be a partnership, and there should be understanding. As Simon Jordan said when he was with us, television, get back in your box. You can't do without football. So going forward, just mm-hmm. have a little bit more thought and mm-hmm. understanding about all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Foden uh, broke lockdown and has been told off. He was playing uh, football with his mates on Formby Beach. Okay, he's been told off. Yes, and uh, Jurgen Klopp has revealed that his players must wear masks and gloves when filling up at petrol stations. I would have thought that's just good sense. Yeah, guess so. And his uh, reaction to um, one one of our guests and and what he said here recently, Phil Neville. uh, Farrah Williams, England's women's most capped player, has taken objection to the fact that Phil said he used the women's coaching job as a stepping stone to the next oh, one. Okay, she right. says it un- uh, 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 shows a lack of respect for their game. I don't think it does. I-, I can't think of any manager at any club, men or women, that hasn't taken their first job with a view to it being a stepping stone. Well, I remember when I was Ron Atkinson's assistant, I went to join Ron at Villa and he took me in as his number two, Richard. And he said to me, Andy, if you become a coach, and my- he's given me his advice as a senior manager of many years, he said, there will be times in your life, you will, if, you, if you're good, you will be asked to leave the job you're in to go to another one. My only advice would be, if the job you're leaving is, is not as good as the job that you've been offered, leave. Hmm. Take the better job. And our guest today has done just that because... And by the way, before you mention that, we've had the manager of the champions in waiting. Yes. The number one coach then in Jürgen the UK. Klopp on this programme. Yeah. Yes. So I thought, and you thought, it's only better that we should go better than having the number one coach of the number one team in the, in the UK and go and get the coach of the number one team in there. In the world. In the world. You can't better that, can you? You can't better that. Um, uh, <laughs> our guest today is Roberto Martinez, manager Belgium, who are ranked now number one yes. in the world. And since we last saw you, Roberto, a renewed contract and a slightly different role. Can you explain to us what that is? Well, gents, yes. Um, we, I think the, the, the circumstances of the COVID-19 has brought... Uh, we sat down with the federation and we look forward, as you always do. And I think you were talking about the when is the right time for a manager to move on to the next uh, job. And I think it's, it's when you feel that your job is done, then you can move on. I never believe that you're just w- going into a better job because it's time to move on. I, I, don't, I don't really believe that you, you need to be able to gather good memories. When you retire, you look back and you say, okay, my jobs, whatever I was, that was complete. And I think you feel a bit of a regret when you haven't finished your job. And I think with my case in Belgium, was that was exactly how we felt. Uh, we worked two years 
very hard from the 2018 World Cup to try to prepare for the Euros. Mm. Then there is the postponement of the Euros. It felt unnatural that between the fans, the players and the staff, we, we were going to stop a project that is still well alive. And then in that situation, as you know, I've been working in the Premier League for seven years as a manager. Sometimes international football, you can feel it a little bit a slow pace. So then uh, we decided, uh, the Federation gave me the position of the technical director, which is something that I've been doing since October 2018, which allows me to have a day-to-day and put in a lot of things in place for Belgian football from every uh, aspect of the way we work in the national team and bring it to amateur football, women's football, professional football. And it's a a very enjoyable uh, project for the future, preparing the new generation. Do do you sometimes, Roberto, put your feet up in that glorious lounge where you currently are with a, a nice glass of Rioja and think to yourself, I've got the best job in the world. You must, surely. Well, his, uh, international football is very different than club-level football. Um, international football, there's no margin of error. So when you win, it's the best job in the world. Uh-huh. But the moment that you don't achieve the result, then it becomes the worst job in the world because this is... Um, a generation that they've got a lot of hope, a lot of expectation. They move the emotions of the whole nation, and that brings a lot of a lot of pressure in that respect. So international football, you have to um, embrace it. It's a lot of preparation, but there is no margin of error. You get to that major game, to that major uh, tournament, and you have to perform. So in that respect, I would say that at the beginning it was very difficult to cope with that period that you have between the games. But now I'm getting used to it and I can use that time to reassess, to look back and to put things in place. Roberto, what's the biggest difference between the pressure as a club manager, which you've had and you've known for many years, and the pressure of coaching the number one country in the world? What are the major differences in pressure-wise? Well, I would say the the difference is in, in every game that you lose now at club level, the manager has to survive. And unfortunately, it's gone, it's gone to that way. Uh, after a game, the team that he wins is almost he moves on into the next one. Now we all focus on the team that he lost, and is that, that pressure of what happens next? And I think it's very important that you have good enough experience and good understanding of what you want to do, so you don't change after two bad defeats at club level. I think at international level, you can have a better uh, period of preparing for the for the games. But as I say, uh, there is no margin of error. When you play in the game, the national team, the expectations are there. Um, everyone uh, feels every every shot on that pitch and you have to win. So the pressure becomes very specific in a moment that uh, is going to be remembered for the rest mm. of uh, the fans' uh, lives. Everyone's got that memory of the World Cup of 2018, of, of, the, of the Euros in 2016. So there are moments that everyone will remember, which at club level, you forget about the, the, the defeat in week three. It's almost about the season. So almost if you got a good owner or a good, uh, in, in a, if you're working with a good board, you'll be able to work for a year and then just assess how good the job was. Roberto, you're a deep, deep thinker of, of football. You, you analyse it hugely. Uh, talking of the World Cup, I just want to ask you, since 2018... You, a lot was expected of you, potential winners. You were always going to be up there. You went very, very close. Looking back, have you analysed anything that you thought we might have done differently to get us over the line? Or did you feel that you and Belgium did everything possible? No, I, I think 
uh, you've got a lot of time to reassess and to look mm. back. And the feeling is, is, is no regrets at all. Um, I think we cope with being together 51 days under that pressure really, really well as a group of individuals. And we created a satisfying environment. When you look at it, we went there to try to play seven games and we achieved that. We only lost one. And in that game against France, the margins were very, very small mm. and France deserved to win. So, But it's nothing that we didn't expect. We expected to have uh, the ball. We expected to have possession. Uh, we knew what France were trying to do. And on the day, we couldn't uh, get that first goal that it was needed. So when you're analysing it, everything went down to those probably, I would say, uh, 45 minutes in the game that probably didn't reach the level going forward that we did. But as a tournament, even the reaction of losing a semi-final, uh, I can tell you, you can prepare everything to go to World Cup. The last thing that you can prepare is the feeling that you're going to have after losing a semi-final. Yeah. And I was so uh, impressed in the manner that the players uh, almost revert that disappointment to try to get the bronze medal. So the overall uh, World Cup was a real success. It wasn't a case of a missed opportunity. But it is true that we set the marker and we wanted to improve. I think we've done that in the last two years. I think the squad now can cope with losing players. I think we lost one important player for that game and now I feel that probably that improvement has been there in the last two years. So Martinez says we will win the Euros. And the World Cup. And the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> we will do what France <laughs> If it could be that easier... But you need to have Roberto, that, that from, from where you sit, and, and obviously players in, in, in so many different leagues across Europe, how do you think COVID will have changed football, if at all, when we get going again? Well, I think what you mentioned at the beginning of the programme, it, it sits um, in, a, in a very important moment going forward. I think some leagues in Europe, uh, they were relying on the, on the TV contracts. And that's very dangerous. Uh, I think mm -hmm. we've seen it as a situation that obviously uh, it was a third party. It was it was a pandemic attack. And but you see Belgium, for example, in the League of Belgium, they decided on the 29th game to finish, and they gave the championship to Club Bruges because they were deserving winners, and they adapted relegation and they moved on because they didn't have to finish the league. Other mm -hmm. leagues, as you know, in the Premier League, Spanish league, even the Italian league, it would be catastrophic not to finish the season. Because the consequences for football clubs that they've been established for over 100 years, they could uh, really go into bankruptcy. So I don't think uh, it's a lot that is going to change. But if anything happens that, for whatever reason, a season cannot be finished, you shouldn't be putting uh, the history of a football club in danger just because that contract has to be repaid. Mm. And I think we've seen, uh, I feel that UEFA and then FIFA, they, they acted in a very, very clever manner, which is forget international football. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to concentrate how we can finish domestic leagues for the good of football, for the good of players. And I think that's been the right uh, decision. And you can see how each league, they found their own solutions. What is right or wrong, uh, I don't think is for us to, to, to assess mm -hmm. that because we haven't got enough information. But you see Belgium finishes the league. France, they just didn't want to know and they... They claim it void, uh, and Holland exactly the same. Those three countries didn't have high pressure from the TV rights. Mm. So they dealt with the situation in a very different manner than now England, Spain and Italy have to find the solutions. And I'm, I'm one that I feel football should be back just to give a bit of hope. 
just because we're all suffering, we all know as human beings, when football is on, you, you, you just start dreaming, you start thinking, you start feeling that you can achieve in your own job. And of course, it will be a risk. Until we get the vaccination, there will be a risk. But so many people are taking risks during this period, hospitals, uh, um, deliveries, uh, food chains. And I think we need to be a little bit more uh, responsible and look back of what the football is giving us as a sportsman. And we need to try to get the game back on in safe uh, safety way. But we need to make our fans believe again that we can just carry on into a new normal. And I think that's a big, uh, a big well-being responsibility. Do you think, Roberto, that the bubble has burst and that from next season players are going to have to get used to the fact that there isn't as much money in the system as there once was? No. No, absolutely not. I think this is an excuse for clubs that they've been uh, ruining uh, badly. Uh, it's an excuse to blame the COVID and say, well, OK, well, now we can do the things that we used to do. There are many football clubs that we only see the front uh, inside. They're running in a horrible manner. Uh, I think this market will bring opportunities for the clubs that they are well set, that they've got good uh, provisions. They will be able to attract very good talent, maybe in a lower price. Of course, they, now they're going to have maybe 10% of the clubs that they were spending money being able to spend money. So that's going to be an effect in this market. But in two windows, uh, football will go back to normal because uh, the TV contracts are there, because the interest is there. This is the, the, the sport of the world. So the following will be there. It's not going to change. And I, I do think that when this happens, there's an opportunity for bad practice uh, management to use it as an excuse. And now the next two windows, you will see that. Um, story yesterday floating around, uh, I'm not sure if you saw it or not. Um, uh, Eden Hazard uh, could be on his way out of Real Madrid and Paris is the alleged destination. Really? Uh, anything in it, um, to, as far as you are, are, are concerned? And if that were the case, did he fail in Madrid? I think Evan's, Evan's situation has been very, very clear. In one season, he's missed over 20 games. Something that uh, in eight seasons at Chelsea, he missed 18 games. So there is a degree of, of luck in any, in any uh, player to be able to do your job. I think Evan hasn't been able to do his job. Has he failed? No, now is not the moment. Whenever he finishes his time at Real Madrid, then you can look back and uh, rate his, his, uh, his performance and his role. If you ask me, I think Eden Hazard will be a massive, massive player for Real Madrid and he will almost uh, change uh, the next few years. Uh, I know Eden inside out, he is in the best moment of his career. So I don't think Real Madrid will ever decide to move on. He has probably the best player to start a new project. Uh, the way that Real Madrid have been playing this season, you could see, and I would say the game where he got injured against Paris Saint-Germain, uh, that's the best Real Madrid I've seen play for many, many years in the way that they combine the understanding with Eden uh, Hazard, Eden Hazard with the other players, and that team was coming. So the people, the decision makers of a club like Real Madrid, they saw that. So there is no, uh, it's impossible to make that decision that you made from a, that you mentioned from a football point of view. Mm. As we all know, in, in football clubs, sometimes you have to make decisions for other reasons. But in this case, if you ask me in football terms, Eden Hazard is the best footballer to build a, a project around at Real Madrid. And he is shown that mentally 
is in the best moment of his career to cope with whatever's come his way. I've seen him uh, looking forward to finishing the season and it'll be interesting when La Liga finishes to have another conversation and see how Eden is finished because I've got incredible belief that he's going to have a massive impact in this campaign. Roberto, as, a, as an international coach, how much emphasis, importance do you put, if any, when you're judging a player like Eden, who maybe be off form, like one of your better players, do you pay much attention to that or do you just judge them on what they do for you as, a, as the country? Well, I think we work in three groups, Andy. We always follow our players in three categories. The category, the players that you would call up if they are fit because yeah. of what they've done in the national team, the experience that they bring and because of the level of their careers. Then there is another group that they are players that they only come to the national team if they are in a good moment of form. They have to be on, on top of the game because they are competing with other players in that position. And then we've got another group of players that they've never been in the national team, but we feel that they have something that mm -hmm. maybe we need because of the system we play, because the players that we have um, available. And those are the three groups that we are following. So if one player, uh, as you mentioned, of our uh, experienced players um, is not playing or is having a bit of a difficulty, we're going to work and support him but okay. that wouldn't affect his international career. But it's different for a player that has only been for maybe 10 caps and he needs to be in a, in a high level of form to be able to be in the national team. Um, if Kevin De Bruyne isn't playing Champions League football with Manchester City next season, <laughs> should he be thinking about another challenge? Well, Kevin is a, uh, is a winner and I think he will take everything in, in, in his decision he will take in consideration if it's a, a ban in the Champions League, if the coach, the manager that he really has a fantastic relationship is going to stay at the club. As you can imagine, um, this is the moment that uh, a player like Kevin De Bruyne has got, is, is, is enjoying his best years and is giving them to Real Madrid, uh, to, to Man City. But then you're thinking, OK, well, what's going to happen in the next four or five years? Um, nobody can give him a good, uh, a good advice. The only advice is the one that you feel as a player, you've done what you had to do in your career without having regrets. The last thing you can afford is finish your career and say, Oof, I should have moved in that moment or I should have stayed. And, and Kevin is a very uh, rational, is, is, is really um, mature. He will take everything in consideration. So, of course, if there is a ban at Manchester City, he will take in, uh, into his decision-making. But um, it's not a, it, over the years, it will show you that when he's happy somewhere, he likes to stay and, and, and win things. I think he's going to have a major say what happens with the, with the club if there is a ban, uh, what's going to happen with the manager and what's going to happen with the future project. I that, think it's more about a, the project that's a very careful and a very clever answer, Roberto. <laughs> so let me, let me phrase <laughs> the question slightly differently. <laughs> if you're going to win the Euros and subsequently the World Cup, would you not want players like De Bruyne testing themselves at the very highest levels domestically? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, let, me, let me explain it. When, when you take the job at international level, that's the way that you feel you're competing at the highest level and always having big roles and always playing well and always being happy. And then when you get into the national team, the reality is that you cannot do with 23 players that they are that fatigue and exhausted during the season. You need to have players that they are fresh, that they got a point to prove, that they had a season that they didn't play a lot, and then they come to the national team and that's the 
opportunity and the highlight of the season. And then you need the others that they keep progressing and they keep growing and they keep having success. So it's a, it's a, it's a, you need to get a good balance. So it's not that it's necessary for a player to have a good uh, World Cup or a good European Championships that has been successful with his club. And I've learned that through, uh, I learned that through the experience. And one case would be uh, when we went to the World Cup in 2018, Nasser Charlie only played 300 minutes in the full season. But we knew it was so important for us because a player can play wing-back, right and left. He can play even as a number 10. He's very versatile. But we felt that he needed they needed a big stage to show what he could do. Mm. And he scores the winner against Japan. And yeah. that's what you need. You need the best members to make the best team, not the best players to make a team in the national team. Roberto, we're very grateful for your time. We'll leave you alone. I, I, I know you haven't yet had breakfast. And, and, and do you know what I'm sad about? I'm sad we have to leave Roberto now because I wanted to say, sometimes when you're growing up as a player and a manager, you, you get experiences that are invaluable. And I can't believe his time in Scotland wasn't the most important time <laughs> well, in that young man's life. I I'm was just about you. to, to, to <laughs> suggest that um, Mrs. Martinez might be able to provide some square sausage for breakfast. Square slice. Square slice, is Square it? slice, yes. Yes, Mrs. She's Martinez will know exactly what that is. <laughs> I'm going to mention it to her, but she's been away too long, far too long. He's giving me waffles for breakfast. So. Roberto, thank you. Honestly, Thanks, Roberto. Really, James, really grateful pleasure. to you. It's good to see you this morning. And stay safe. Stay safe and, uh, and keep it going. Same ways. Thank you. Right. Thank Take you, Roberto Martinez, who married us, Scott. Yes, he did. She must know then what square slice is. For the rest of us, what is it? A square slice is like, it's like, um, almost like meatloaf. It's flat sausage. Right. It's like rectangular and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Do we know what's in it? Yeah, meat. Oh. Beef. Beef. <laughs> it's not pork, it's beef. Good beef? Oh, the best beef. Is the it? best square slice. My mum used to always buy the best. She used to go to a certain butcher because she always believed he, gave, he did the best square slice. And every Saturday morning, square slice on a roll, bread roll, two of those. There you are, Andrew. Thank you, mum. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, we shall continue tomorrow. Um, very much looking forward to spending time with another very, very current mm. guest, I think mm. it's fair to say. Absolutely. Uh, give you a clue. Um, his dad engineered two of the most stunning yes. European Cup successes. Yes, he did. Uh, it's a fairly I think you've given that away big now. clue. <laughs> if you haven't got it now, you never will. You'll have to join us tomorrow. Uh, at these same times on the Be In Sports Network all over the world, on YouTube as well for our international viewers. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again in the morning. Yeah, stay safe, everyone.